Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable. My name is Sean Phelan and each week I will be talking to a panel of guests on the topics facing the grassroots rugby game. We record this for Facebook Live every Thursday evening, so please come and get involved in the discussions. You can watch this by visiting facebook.com slash fybrugby every Thursday evening at 6.30. This first roundtable features a discussion on player recruitment and retention, which is the big issue that Philly Roots was born out of in 2015. So let's get this show started. And joining me tonight are uh, Robert Holmes of Rachel Decker, uh, who's not currently here, but he will be here yeah, <laughs> in a moment. Uh, Stephen Leach of Staines RFC uh, and Jessica Hayden, who is a rugby journalist and plays for Epping Upper Clapton RFC. How are we? Hiya. Evening. Doing good, thank you. It's good to be here, chatting again. Yes, chatting again. Uh, If if anyone was with us on Sunday, uh, we were at the virtual rugby show uh, and we had this great uh, debate that went on far too long uh, and wasn't long enough. So that is where this has been born out of. Uh, This was kind of sort of the genesis. Uh, We we just wanted to sort of elongate the conversation. So uh, (laughs) here we are. Uh, so this is, discussion is going to be entirely interactive. Uh, so get your questions in on the chat function, uh, and we will we will uh, go through them as we go along uh, this evening. Uh, this is going to last sort of half yeah, 40, 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, so uh, we'd just like to you know, welcome you all. Uh, stay with us, and we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll have a great chat. Uh, we, so we wanted to start where we left off on Sunday, which was. Uh, no, we started talking about how, what what makes a club good club to join, uh, but more importantly, what uh, what makes a good club to stay with. So, uh, Steve, uh, what makes Staines a really good club to to stay with? Um, we've been working really hard on the environment of of the club to to move it from that traditional boys club um, that it had been for a number of years to to being a community base. Uh, and welcoming everybody in. Um, I think bringing the likes of Harlequins threes in, uh, the ladies the ladies side from them has helped uh, move that on uh, tenfold in the last 12 months um, and just making it a nice place for the kids to be as well. We, we entertain from four years old uh, up to vets, so we have, we've got quite a diverse set of people to, uh, to cater for. Um, so yeah, just making it a friendly warm place to be uh, make sure the clubhouse is welcoming um, and have some decent uh, facilities do you think much has changed over over the years uh, in terms of our outlook changed over the years in terms of our outlook I think yeah sure um, I think we had gone down the traditional uh, rugby's going professional so we need to target uh, going up the leagues as quick as possible Whereas now we're in over, probably over the last three, four years, we've been really concentrating on being that community rugby club again. Yeah. 
Uh, and Jess, uh, welcome. Thanks for thanks for coming back. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here again. Uh, from a, a sort of a female perspective, what what would attract you to to joining a a, a club? If if you were starting out, what would attract you to to joining a a new team? Um, so I've been playing for five five years, and and what originally attracted me to play rugby was the um, social atmosphere of it. So I think for girls starting out, for for young women, or to be fair, women of any age. I think it's just having that community side of it and seeing that um, there's um, friends to be friendships to be made. So I think that's a really important thing, um, especially I guess as as women get older and they're kind of looking for ways to make new friends and stuff. I think that's one way to get women into the game. Um, but I think if you're looking at more a higher, if you're a high level club and you're looking to recruit players to really bring through, then I think it's just making making it very clear that you are putting the facilities and the investment behind the women and making sure that there's um, good coaching, good um, good changing rooms that aren't going to be, you know, full of, uh, I hate to say it, but if they're the men's, you know, really men, they smell of men, then it's not going to be great for women. Make sure the showers work and that the floor isn't covered in mud, then you'll probably attract some more women. <laughs> <laughs> for sure uh steve what what type of uh, uh how often do new players come to a club like stains um well they they evacuated very quickly about six years ago we lost 75 players um so some work wow. done around uh social media um and being uh visual in the local community brings in what was the uh, reason for that i think it was a political reason that players left uh, it wasn't anything to do with right. rugby um unfortunately it was to do with some decisions that went the wrong way which uh we're still trying to to recoup from really player wise um but we've got a good uh squad of senior men now uh we've got a good mini section uh, we're working on a youth section um, and we've, as I say, we we have we haven't tried to start a ladies section, but we wanted to have ladies rugby at our club. Um, so, so hence where uh, Bina was talking about on Sunday with Harlequins ladies threes coming in. Um, I guess we get probably I think we had 19 new players last year that either returned to rugby um, in general or returned to a club that they left when they were 16, 17. Um, so it was nice to get those guys back. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like it's been a sort of a, a it was a rough few years for uh, for a time, but now uh, things are on the up. Uh, Jess, what what uh, what more could be done um, from uh, county bodies or, or, or RFUs um, to promote the uh, the women's game and, and bring more people into these grassroots clubs, especially well, if they're starting teams. Yeah, I think having um, taster days for women, obviously, if, you, if we talk, you know, we'll talk through the, the different ways, but if you're a club, um, a community club, and looking to get more women playing, then have a, um, you know, taster day, have something really uh, to, let, to let girls and women play rugby, see what it's like. Then um, for, I think, on a, a broader scale, the unions or um, clusters, et cetera, could do a lot to have... Um, 
you know, tournament, more tournaments so that you're actually playing more because it's quite difficult for development teams to get games. Obviously, you've got to, when you're starting um, a team, a, a team, you've got to wait um, until you can actually join a league. So having development tournaments is a really good way to kind of get more teams starting. Um, and then I think there's just a, a wider thing about making sure that we're, we're you know, you're, you're watching the women's games in the clubs. You know, if England are playing, if you're in England, if you're in Wales, if Wales are playing, um, have it on the telly. It's probably going to be on the telly. So watch it. Have it on in the club. Encourage people to really respect and value women's rugby and don't see it as, um, you know, comparing it to men's all the time. And I think those kind of things really help to encourage women into your club. No, for sure. Let's uh, we'll now bring Robert Holmes into the conversation, hopefully. Let's see if he's there. Is he there? Can you hear us, Rob? I take that as a note. Oh, Just no. to add to what Jess was saying. We'll come back to him. We'll come back to him. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, Steve. Um, we were looking at partnering with Brunel and Royal Holloway. Uh, for women's and males students to mm. come down and do some kind of rugby program under lights um, to help with recruitment for Queens and Stains. Uh, so that would that could be a way to introduce female rugby into into your club if that's what you want to look at. Oh yeah, if you're close to a university, then definitely try and get some university teams in because most um, most universities have a, a first and a second women's team now. And you just have, you know, massive groups of girls who want to play. So definitely, yeah, have a look at your local university if you're lucky enough to have one close by. Steve, how did the relationship with uh, Harlequins 3s come about? So it had been something that had been uh, on the boil for about three years. Um, they were training at Old Isleworthians uh, and they were looking at new homes all over the place. I think they tried grasshoppers. Um, but as we are about 500 yards away from the stoop, um, it, it had always been a conversation and we managed to get it agreed um, that they started last season and, and they've loved it. Having change rooms, a bar to sit in and, and socialise after training on a Thursday uh, and a nice pitch to play on on Sunday. Sounds lovely. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, how, Steve, sorry, I'll come back to you again. Uh, how, there's so many clubs in the London area, uh, especially in sort of that sort of southwest London, uh, west London area. How, 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 do, how do you promote yourselves differently uh, to attract the new members than you would do, than someone else would? Perhaps. Um, I guess we don't try and reinvent the wheel really Sean um we put ourselves out there as a brand um uh, maybe the thing we do different is we welcome those clubs in um we we've opened the doors to Woking and Witten Lions recently to to come and train with us uh, on a Thursday evening um and they were part of the initial barbarian side that we put together uh, alongside Phil Your Boots um to get rugby played so it's those kind of initiatives really being uh, an inclusive club that that people can get to um and come in and just enjoy rugby do you think there's anything to be said for being different than than the club down the road you've got, you've got there's so many clubs 
there's so many clubs. I mean, we stand out in in Middlesex in the fact that we own and operate our own facilities. There's not many that that can can bolster the the facilities that Staines have. Um, it's both a, a blessing and a and a curse because mm. the costs that are associated to having 14 acres and six pitches um, and a clubhouse, uh, you you need to be able to operate the business model correctly. Um, but in the same same vein, it, it the there's not many other first team pitches at our level of rugby at level 10 that are the same as as we have. So in terms of that, sure. Sure, we probably uh, stand out from that way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just about the sort of the Welsh, the Welsh women's game. Uh, how competitive is it there uh, to to pick up? How many clubs in Wales do have women's teams? So how many clubs in Wales have women's teams? Is that what you asked? Yeah. Um, so there is uh, yeah. there there is a really good competitive um, domestic structure um, in Wales. So you have the the Welsh Premiership for the women and the Swansea um, top that pretty much year on year. Then you have the regional um, setup. So it says it mirrors the men's in that sense. So you have um, the the four regions and. The, the problem is, is that it's not very competitive. Games don't get played. So the Dragons this year actually couldn't fulfil their um, region. So we lost a region in, in essence. So we had um, uh, basically three regions who played like one day, a one day tournament. That was it. And so we saw loads of players from um, from Wales, including, you know, Captain Chuan Lillycrap going to Bristol um, so we are kind of losing some of our, our best players to um, the Premier 15s. Um, I say this as if I'm Welsh. I am from Essex, but um, I'm in Wales now. And uh, Welsh rugby is definitely uh, an area of, is, uh, you know, uh, a specialism for me. Uh, so, yeah, we, we lo- Wales are losing a lot of women to, to England leagues uh, and they need to do a lot more to kind of um, to, to push the women, the domestic women's game. Well, yeah, there's a whole sort of generation of talent now that need to need to have somewhere to play, and if they haven't got somewhere to play, then then we're going to lose them to to other sports. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because at the moment we're seeing that um, uh, a lot of the oh, someone said that there's 34 clubs in Wales for women's rugby. So there you are. Um, a lot. Of the one problem is that it's kind of along the M4 corridor. A lot of the clubs, and there isn't as much kind of in mid and North Wales, you have got a really good hub in North Wales for women's rugby around uh, RGC, Carnarvon. It is good up there, but that's basically it. There are massive areas within Wales that don't have um, a nearby team. I think one problem especially is that, you know, the under-18s women's rugby is is pretty um, poor. For the regions, they they rarely play, um, if ever, and it just it just means that we you know the Wales national team has so many players who um, only started playing at university, um, and that's because we you know there wasn't really anything under the age of eighteen to be able to to play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, I think we can now bring Robert in. I can see him hey. drinking wine or some sort. Hey, <laughs> hey, Robert. Finally, finally. Finally, <laughs> two two laptops and blame Bill Gates and his window <laughs> up, mate. For so, someone's had a long. <laughs> so, so, someone, someone, someone's had a hard day at work. Yes, very much. How so. are you? 
Uh, I'm well. How is everybody? Nice to meet you. Nice to see you again. Evening, Rob. Nice to see you too. Uh, we, Rob, we were just talking about uh, what makes clubs a good... Uh, how, how, how do you make a good club to join uh, and actually sort of keep people at that club? Yeah, you know, you know, we, me, and you play for the same club, and we don't, we don't have anything really apart from fit, you know, set of shirts, uh, <laughs> maybe a couple of rugby balls. So, so tell it, tell us, or tell everybody uh, how we go about trying to find a new, new member and keep them. More importantly, is keep them. Yeah, I think the uh, our biggest asset, or in fact, our only asset, is our membership based and our uh, and our current players. Uh, we don't literally do not have anything else. Like you, like you say, we've got a bit of training equipment, a few balls, and some nice shirts. Um, and when I certainly when I joined the club uh, twenty years ago, now I came from a football background. Uh, walked into a changing room when we were uh, me and a friend of mine turned up that were, were mates outside of rugby. Walked in, didn't really know anybody, uh, but immediately was introduced to a set of fellas. There was um, there was no clicks. There was no um, there was no airs and graces and you literally got taken in on face value. You got ripped apart with a banter, but not, you know, it wasn't malicious. It was a case of what well, we need to find something that we, that, that, that's going to, um, that's gonna, that, that we can latch on to. Um, and then you kind of go from there, uh, but then you kind of get exposed. So that's your kind of first impressions. If you kind of go in, everyone's kind of ribbing each other. Um, but it's not, it's not. It's certainly not over the top. Like we've got quite a diverse club um, in regards to the kind of backgrounds of our members. You've got guys there that run their own companies. You've got young fellas there that are in their first job after leaving, uh, leaving full time education in their late teens and early twenties. So, the, I mean, the level of banter is fairly basic. So it kind of goes across everybody. But <clears throat> you also get the older heads that come in and, and literally put an arm around you and kind of teach you the way of the club. And that's not something that's ever been uh, documented, or 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 um, it just is what it is. It's just that it's just how it works. And then you kind of get involved in the larger so the the, the larger social circles of you know going for a drink after the game, and uh, and then your tours and so on and so forth. And and also we have a bit of a kind of back to the wall mentality at our club because we are we are in a, in an area that's heavily densely populated with a lot of large clubs. And like I say, we are the smallest of the small. So we've got that kind of, not chip on your shoulder, but that thing of, you know, we've got something that a lot of these clubs haven't got. In fact, we've got, they've got a lot of stuff that we haven't got. But what we've got is the fact that we are fully aware of who we are. And actually we work as individuals, we work very hard during the course of that week to free up our time to actually come together. And that I think is, is that is that's the culture of our club is that we know exactly who we are um and i think that helps it's um and i certainly saw it in my late teens and early 20s you go to other rugby clubs where they haven't quite got their they haven't got their own way uh their, their own culture fig- figured out um and they're not quite you know because people have been around together for a long time people have a tendency to be clicking we're, we're, we're not like that you walked into our changing room or if anyone walks out, you, you'll be, there'll be guys that have known each other for decades. Yeah. Uh, but there's also guys that might be in their third or fourth game. I think it'd be really difficult to find out in the first 20 minutes who those people are. Spend the day with us and it, it, it come to light. But, you know, so I think it's, um, like I said, we know who we are. Our culture is that 
we literally need everybody that's willing to put a shirt on to put a shirt on. And if that sounds desperate, it's because normally we are. <laughs> um, which is why things like <laughs> Fill Your Boots have been invaluable to us um, because it gives us the opportunity to to bring in people from outside. And again, it's only on a, what, every, now, every now and again, or you know, these, these guys that come to us for one-off, we've got guys that, um, uh, that have played for us probably four or five times a season when their game hasn't happened. And that's only because when they walk in, you put the shirt on, you're one of us. You're always one of us. You're never not one of us. Even when you're on the opposition, for you playing for your club normally, you're still really one of us. That's the mentality that we've got. Uh, whether they know it or not, I, I'm not quite sure. But it's yeah, I think like I said, we've got a very uh, clear identity. We we've got a very clear um, identification of what we are and who we are. Yeah, we definitely do. You know, uh, we're a family. Uh, well, every club, every club will say that they're a family, but uh, we definitely are. You know, as I said on, on on Sunday, the our club is full of. Uh, people I've grown up with, uh, I've been around since birth. So, uh, <laughs> no, people I've grown up with my dad, my brother in law, uh, Robert is one of my best friends. I've got other best friends that have played, and I've got you know, close friends and everybody in between, really. That uh, so, you know, we're, we're a tight knit group, and we always want people to come and join that tight knit group to, to, to keep things to keep things moving and, and hopefully be there for the next the next generation. Right, let's take a let's take a question. Uh, the chat is it going to pop up on the screen? It's on. Yeah, I can see it. It's gone. Oh, happiness is egg shaped. Is out there. Well done, Bruce. It's gone. Nice Where's it gone? I know. I've got it. I've got it. Yeah, I can see it. Joe Marley. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Joe, do you think having a strong youth section at a club is key? Uh, a key factor in player retention. Uh, Steve, you've got a, a, a mini section and junior section at, at Staines think it's a, a a big marketing tool i think it would definitely help um for the, especially for longevity of your your senior playing sides uh, so you're not looking to to bring in players all the time you know that you've got uh, with a strong youth section you know that you've got 16 17 20 lads coming through every year um that can bolster that that senior setup um lets you plan more uh, so you can have a, a five, six, ten-year plan for your club and development, and know which direction you want to go in. Um, if you can retain them from the four-year-old that comes in to, to have a bit of fun all the way through, then you've got a club member for life. Mm. Um, unless you support those people to go on to to achieve higher things within the rugby. Yeah, definitely. You've got if you've got a really good junior section that has lots and lots of kids coming through, then the idea is that you're going to keep you know, keep moving them up and moving them into the first, seconds and first teams. Uh, let's find another one, Bruce. Bruce, you're busy, mate. Good job. <laughs> and, uh, an answer to uh, Bruce: uh, Yes, you can. You are an honorary decker boy. Uh, you've threatened to play for us a couple of times, but um, like I say, once you're in, you're in. So we've accepted you. So you're definitely in. I just was going to add, Sean, on the on that on that point about um, yeah. keeping uh, players in. I guess it depends if you mean keeping them in as adults, because I think um, a really important thing there is making sure that once uh, teenagers kind of lose their way with rugby a bit, that there's always a, a welcome club back for them. Um, 
when people go off to university, making sure that the club is supportive of them coming back and playing. Um, but yeah, no, I think it is really important about um, having a strong youth section and making uh, lasting friendships because players are going to come back because that's where their friends are. Um, so yeah, I do think it is really important. Yeah, I think we said on Sunday about the the teams locally that do the special under twenty three fixtures yeah. around Christmas times to keep those students engaged. Yeah, it's really important because it's a drop off yeah. point, isn't it, for rugby? You go to uni and then you think, oh, I'll leave it then. I'll stop playing when I'm at uni and that's it. And you don't come back to um, your grassroots club. So I think, yeah, making sure that you're doing, you know, events at Christmas, with, which involve rugby, to get the players who are home from university back playing. Um, and then, yeah, those under 23 fixtures are such a good idea. Yeah, one thing I didn't get a chance to talk about yeah, on definitely. Sunday. Sorry. Yours, Rob. So one thing I didn't get a chance to to, to talk about on Sunday is uh, we've had to very much um, uh, evolve as a club because of be, mainly because of our numbers have dwindled in certain years. And like I say, we use fill your boots quite a lot, quite a lot. And actually, last year what we did was we teamed up with another club, a third team of Pearly John Fisher. If there's any of you out there, uh, nice to see you again, and we'll hopefully do it again this year. Uh, we teamed up with Pearly John Fisher thirds who were struggling to uh, fulfil games. Uh, the indication I got is they're almost kind of a club within a club. The ones and twos have a tendency to move up and down. Uh, but the thirds will pretty much stay as they are. Uh, and so last year, we had games that were identified for both clubs where we would send, uh, we wouldn't have a fixture, and anybody that was available to us would go to and play for Pearly John Fisher in their colours. And likewise, their third team would not have their own fixture, but send anybody that they had available to us and play under our colours. We had that set to, do, to, to happen uh, once a month from September through until March. Um, <clears throat> Uh, and we actually got a couple of a uh, couple of games out of it, um, and you know the ability to kind of do something like that, which is quite bold to almost turn around and go, oh, everyone that's available for us is going to go and play for another club. Um, I don't think you'll get a great deal of clubs that would be willing to do that. But in our position, it was a case of, well, if they're going to return the favour, favour, and we're going to do it, that just creates almost a, a bigger a bigger player pool for those uh, days. We can also then focus our guys that can't play every single week to turn around and go, well, OK, I can play three or four times this season due to work commitments. What I will do is I won't make myself available for when I'm going to be playing for Pearly John. I want to go and play in my own shirt. So it gives it gives our members the ability and our uh, and our captain the ability to, if you've got players on the fringes that can only make one or two games, to go, look, pinpoint these games around that because if we've only got eight available, on those days when we go to, to Pearly John and we're playing in Pearly John colours, that's eight players that is going to be there more. It also then benefits whoever we're playing against or they're playing against because you end up with eight bodies that turn up that just want to run out. And at our level at social rugby, <clears throat> to be honest, if you're there at the game, you just want to go and have a go. You don't really care what colour shirt you're wearing because uh, we're not particularly precious about it. And so it almost ends up that three clubs benefit uh, on those weekends. So, coming up with ways and means and, and, and ways to kind of pivot away from uh, being kind of, oh, you play for us or not or not at all, or you, we play under our own umbrella or not at all, that's worked quite well for us. And I think that's something that we'll certainly be looking looking to do. And that the inspiration of that came off the back of the kind of fill your boots of taking that model one step further and actually pinpointing these games at the start of the season and identifying individual weekends where we, we, we would have that happen.
Yeah, it worked pretty well for us uh, last year. Uh, I think I played for a couple of the games in the for the Pearly John Fisher, and it was yeah, it was a great laugh. And to be honest, yeah, rugby is rugby at the end of the day, uh, and that's kind of the spirit of Philly Boots is that we you know, we want games to happen. Uh, but at the end of the day, rugby is rugby, so go and take your kit bag, go down to the local club, and help them out as much as possible. Because you know, without everybody, we're, we're not going to survive. Let's, this comment might be a bit too long to show on the screen, but we'll give it a go. I Here think go. that comment probably uh, stands from Sandra, here. with many community teams trying to... <laughs> with many community teams trying to set up women's teams, often on the doorstep of other fledgling women's teams, what can be done to make sure we don't have too many clubs with a small handful of players who then struggle to make a squad for a mixture? Postpone time after time and letting other clubs down with no shows do you want me to take that one <laughs> um it's something yeah. that was a particular problem um in wales and uh, i think there was somebody in the comments who was uh, talking about this as well so you'll be familiar with it that there were a number of women's teams starting up um all very close to one another in um swansea and what, what it meant was that um, a lot of fixtures just didn't happen. Games were constantly postponed. Games were called off because we just there were, there were not an, enough players at all. They were all spread out between different clubs. So it became like a hub. It was called the West Swansea Hawks. And the sim a similar thing has happened in so many places in, in, in Wales and England. There was a cap on how if you could start a women's team um, because we had so many of them. Um, the rugby unions do keep a, an eye on this. Um, so the RFU um, do have a look at, I, I don't know if you're in England or where you are, but um, the unions do keep a, a really keen eye on this. And if games are constantly being postponed, then they do um, have a look at and um, see why that is. It's kind of to do with who who is in your area for the RFU. Um, if that is a problem in your area, then you can always go and talk to your um, your your officer in your area. You'll probably have a contact at the RFU. Um, but yeah, you are right. Maybe we do need to kind of um, you know pull resources into one hub of where women are playing. But women's rugby is the fastest growing uh, women's sport in the UK at the moment. We will see more women play. Um, hopefully we'll get to a point uh, in the near future where we won't need to have these hubs and we can have um, community teams popping up everywhere and, it, and fixtures are still fulfilled. So, um, yeah, if you have any other questions on, on that, um, I might be able to help a little bit more. I think the same can be said for... No, that's great. That's for men's rugby clubs as well, though. Go on, Steve. Sorry, definitely, I think the same, definitely the agree. Thing, I was just about to say. Yeah, um, the ability to set up a rugby club seems to be um, for anybody now, um, without the the thought of what the impact is on on the surrounding existing clubs. Um, yeah. Just, just in general, not not putting it at any type of, of form of the game. If if you know, this this is to sort of all of us, if you were starting a brand new rugby club, what would the advice be? Don't do it. Yeah, you men's or women's. Club. What what would your? <laughs> don't do it, Steve. Yeah, don't start a new one. Go to your local club that's existing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hashtag yeah, support your local rugby club. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, absolutely. There's th- we we have enough all around the UK now that I don't really see the need to to start new ones. Um, at least at least try and support a local club before one would be started. But if you were trying to make it, you could we could talk about ways that in an ideal world, if we were going to start a rugby club, what would it have? There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Money. That's for sure. Money, <laughs> yeah. My I mean, uh, uh, from the other side of the coin to sort of stains that have got kind of um, uh, many sides, minis and all sorts. I mean, for us, the beauty is we don't have anything. So uh, at this precise moment in time, when we we don't have any, uh, the only revenue that we have to have is, is our match fees. So um, it's kind of ideal for us. The difficulty is when it comes to going back to training, we had a meeting last night talking about going back to training certainly with this phased approach is going to be quite difficult for us to get back out there. However, it's, um, I, I do worry, I do worry about those larger clubs uh, and how they're going to cope after all of this is, um, all of this is back. Is Staines bar open this weekend and how long it, in miles is the queue to the bar going to be? Yeah, we, we're aiming to open for our members. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think it, I suppose it all depends on the weather this weekend, Robert. Right, I know there's a lot of clubs that are going back to training this week, and a lot of clubs are putting dates out there for training soon. So, um, anyone who is going back this weekend or training this week, uh, best of luck. Yeah, no, I think our fitness training starts next week. Unfortunately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's that? What's that type of training? Yeah, bar training, bar training. Must be a new new kind, Rob. I've never heard yeah. of that. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I heard a rumor no. about it once, and we soon Always. got that out of our club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely missed the first four weeks of pre-season. Wait till the, the, the balls come out and the tackle pads come out. That's I mean, that's when I start to get involved. I mean, I not don't this, know about not this running stuff. I mean, I don't know about the rest of you. There's one or two of our older heads that would only turn up for games in November. So if our season doesn't start until then, they could pretty much get the whole term in. <laughs> 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 right, let's have it. Let's take another question, and this uh, from Andy Lowe. With the funding from the RFU, the Grassroots Rugby, how are clubs going to try and make up the shortfall to keep going and try and improve the women's and juniors teams? Uh, thanks, Andy. Uh, we're going to we are going to do uh, uh, one of these on uh, uh, funding and sponsorship and fundraising and all that in the coming weeks so but we will we will have people come on and answer that deeply but uh rob we don't have anything to (laughs) we certainly don't have anything to add on that but steve you know you said the bar the bar is going to begin to open uh how much is that needed to to help uh stain sort of recover from the periods that we've lost over the recent months I mean, we can't wait until we can actually host events again. Um, our our main money earner is is hiring our facilities. Um, we'll open for members this weekend, but that will start to cost us money. So we'll we'll probably lose money from the second we open the doors uh, to keep our membership um, happy. Um, but but yeah, we we would be reliant on the big corporate functions, private parties um, that we would normally host. Uh, so. Having a facility of our size uh, comes with its with its costs and and, and running it uh, 
is is a is something we have to be careful with. Yeah, on Sunday yeah, afternoon. Sure. Absolutely, um, it's going to be tough for everybody. I was listening to uh, was it Steve Granger, the no, uh, uh, RDO director for the RFU. I was listening to his bit on Sunday uh, after we finished at two o'clock, and he was saying that some clubs, some rugby clubs, have been uh, quite innovative with their bookings. For example. Um, he mentioned one case in point where a rugby club had hired out their car park that was well lit to a netball club so the netball club could train on their uh, at their facilities. So I wonder if uh, Staines could then have a look. Could they bring in another sport to use a bit of their uh, a bit of their ground for a specific reason? I know you can't go inside yet, but certainly outdoors, um, I would imagine that there may that there will be uh, football clubs, for example, that can't play. Uh, that maybe you have council grounds that aren't open or school grounds that can't open. Perhaps that's a, a, an option for you to branch out and to get other sports in in, in through the doors. Yeah, it's, it's something we're looking at all the time, Rob. Um, we've got uh, a junior football club, um, FC Sunbury, that use our facilities. And we've got um, four, soon to be five, personal trainers that use the grounds for for their, their boot camps and one-on-one sessions at the minute. Um, not massive money owners for us, but they're keeping us ticking over. But also, I suppose it also elevates uh, to, to to those trainers and these clients who you are. It actually lets people know where the club is. Mm. So many people in our community didn't actually know that we were a rugby club or that we had a, a facility that you could hire. Um, and over the last three, four years, we've been working hard to change that. Nice work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, keep keep selling people. Keep, keep selling people, and, and people will, will eventually come. Uh, I'm conscious of time, so let's take some more more uh, questions. Uh, again, from Sandra, what social media platforms have the group seen most productive for player recruitment, or is there another method that is more successful? I, I uh, there is also it. a comment <laughs> underneath that that says, I've s- <laughs> "There's another comment underneath that that says some squads use Tinder." Well, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I, I think Jess, you were saying Facebook. Yeah, I think Facebook is the the best. It's just it makes it very easy to have the the groups, um, the group function, so you can have your team on there, um, and it's good for advertising and joining like local community groups and stuff like that. Um, an outside one, but this next door app. I don't know if you guys use it, but it's become quite a big thing. Uh, this year especially in lockdown Um, if you don't know about it it's basically like a social media platform for your neighbours and that's quite a good one to post about your local club for people who might not know and um, it helps spread the word but yeah I think you can't really beat uh, Facebook Twitter is good but it doesn't have the kind of group function that um, Facebook has so yeah I think we are kind of limited when you're looking at a team sport to be able to communicate and everything as well then yeah we use Facebook yeah we're the same we've uh, Facebook ads I mean Sean yes Sean did our Facebook ads and that worked quite well we got another two or three guys uh, that have stuck around for a bit for us uh, this year so because you could uh, you can really kind of pinpoint who that uh, your market that you're after. Um, yeah, Facebook ads uh, were certainly the best for us, and obviously we're across all social media platforms. But you're right; it's difficult to get traction. I'm not quite sure uh, my wife would be too happy if my face popped up on Tinder. Um, 
I, I think I'd be more unhappy if she but saw what it. What would but, she be doing yeah, exactly. looking on there? <laughs> I, I'd be more upset if she saw it. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure I'll be out squared out one away, but you uh, you never know. I'm, to be fair, I'm not exactly the poster boy for our club to a certain extent. I'm not sure this is really the image that will we'll, uh, get uh, players flocking. <laughs> Maybe a different type of hooker. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> yeah, we yeah you know, we used Facebook ads uh, during the World Cup. We we target we did the Rugby World Cup. We did the whole six weeks of the Rugby World Cup, and we spent maybe a hundred quid. Um, uh, and if you know if you've got someone in your club that knows how to 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 do all that, then then you're laughing really because you can pinpoint down to literally the street um, that you want to target. Um, so yeah, we did ours you know, around the sort of five, five to ten miles around where our club would normally be based. Um, and yeah, we got a couple of couple of people out of it, which was which was really cool. And it also it gets it gets the the sort of the brand the brand the brand and the club's face out there a little bit more to people that may not have uh, seen us before. One thing that we continue to do as well, there's a local um, free magazine that gets um, circulated where our club is. We actively advertise in that for one or two editions. It comes out on a monthly basis, but we're still in their classifier ads. So um, a lot of uh, a lot of areas have these free uh, papers that come out. Like I say, you have to pay for the advertising, but a lot of them also want a classifiers page, which is uh, free to, to take part in. We lost him. I think so. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. There is, there's a question. I don't know while while Sean's Wi-Fi's got but it's what is the hope for, uh, for the positives to come out of this situation? Uh, uh, I mean, for for us, the the positives at our club has been the the level of volunteers that we've had come down and do work at the club. Um, so we've been renovating the toilets in our event space um, and that's all been done by club volunteers that have got the skills to do it. So bringing the club together closer with our membership has uh, been a massive positive for us to come out of this. Yeah, we had online quizzes that were running every week and, and our attendance to those has kind, of, kind of waned after doing it for 13 weeks. But we certainly had some older Eds that were taking part in it, which were which was nice to see and nice to to keep that that contact with those as well so um i think that uh, i'm hoping that without we through our membership everyone's really really missed it i think absence making the art grow fonder is probably the biggest thing for every club because what i'm hoping is that we really have trouble trying to pick a side on that first weekend because yeah. everyone and their uh, and their brother wants to come out and have a go so yeah. um yeah i think that's um, I'm not quite sure the uh, the training in the summer will be as well attended. It never normally is, but I'm, I'm hoping that once we get up and playing again, that that's certainly something that we can look forward to. Mm. Sean, we're just uh, answering the question and what uh, what is the hope uh, for the positives take... to come out of the situation? We just answered that. Yeah, okay. Uh, what do I think the positives will be? Uh, the bodies will have a rest, for sure. <laughs> Uh, people's uh, playing careers might last a little bit longer. Um, Definitely. Uh, mine's a bit battered, <laughs> a bit bruised these days. But uh, yeah, elongated pre-season 
or prolongated summer, which is uh, pretty good. <laughs> uh, we'll love. We'll take one final question. This one is from Chris because uh, I'm conscious of time. I don't want to keep everyone here too long tonight. Uh, what is the thought on getting juniors back with basic handling and fitness only any longer, and we'll be losing them to other sports that are open already? Uh, uh, Steve, that's a uh, a good comment um, and something we battle with. Um, our under thirteens are back doing some fitness, um, and I'll be working with our newly appointed director of rugby to see how we can get our younger age groups back doing something. Um, but they love playing rugby, so trying getting them into to not play rugby will be the challenge, um, uh, but one that we're looking forward to to taking on at our club. Um, I'm sure we can get them in to do something. Uh, we've got plenty of space that they can socially distance train. So uh, we'll get them on and get them in. Chris, I'd also look at uh, something called Lions Sports Academy. They've got a great uh, program together on their uh, their webpage, uh, which is sort of a three-month uh uh, program for for juniors to sort of get back into the game and do fitness drills and a uh, bit of sort of strength work uh, i would definitely take a look at that their website i can't tell you off the top of my head but that it's a it's a really good system so i'm told and a lot of kids are using it uh, so uh mark says no keep going uh unfortunately uh, there's pta meetings and um uh player meetings to get to um but it's it's been great fun. Um, we'll definitely do this again uh, next week. We'll, we'll have another topic and another set of uh, guests, and we'll, we'll put that together in the next couple of days. Uh, Rob and Jess, thank you so much for spending Sunday and now uh, this evening with us. Uh, it was uh, great to talk to you over the last few days. Um, I hope you've uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Have definitely thanks. That's been brilliant to be involved. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, it's been really good. And I saw Jess's tweet earlier. You're after players uh, to contact players that are playing in the Middle East. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've uh, got some some uh, players now. Thanks, Bruce, in the comments as well. I've, um, yeah, I, I write, obviously, rugby journalist. I've often looking for players. So um, I'm on Twitter at underscore Jess Hayden. I'm always looking out to chat to players and clubs and writing about rugby. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to the feature on Michael Decker RFC once we get back playing. I do think it's a very interesting. Say, I've, got, I've, got, I've, I've got a website. I've got a website. You can, you can have free reign. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve, Rob, Jess, thank you very much. Uh, Thanks again to Robert Holmes, Jess Hayden and Stephen Leach for joining me. Don't forget, we record this live over on facebook.com slash fybrugby every Thursday evening at 6.30, so please come and get involved in the discussion. Don't forget to follow us on our social medias, facebook.com slash fybrugby and Twitter and Instagram are at fyb underscore rugby. Thanks again for tuning in to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable with me, Sean Peter.